Hello and you're very welcome to another episode of the IFF TV podcast. Now today's guest is former Irish international Terry Phelan, who went on to have a fantastic career playing for so many big clubs in England as well as moving over to the USA, playing for Charleston Battery and moving to New Zealand and of course India, where he is now over there coaching and a pundit for Sony TV in India. Make sure to check it out. Keep up to date with Terry, follow him on Instagram at TerryFeelingTree. So here we go with the podcast. Terry, how are you keeping? I'm doing okay, thank you very much. Over here in India, in uh, Bangalore. So keeping myself as busy as I can be, you know, in this obviously lockdown over there. I think they're doing very well over there with the lockdown, you know, they're trying to curb people. So uh, hopefully everybody back home is keeping themselves safe, sound, you know, keeping themselves in, only going out when they need to go out and washing their hands. So, yeah, I'm keeping myself as busy as anything. I'm using it as a bit of a relaxation mode because I've been on the go for the last 10 years anyway, really, a lot of travelling. So, for me, it's just relaxing, you know, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of coach education with my coaches at uh, South United FC as a technical director. So, it's been, a, it's, you know, it's, it's been one of those uh, testing times, but it's a time where we can ref- reflect on a lot of things. Yeah, 100%. And have you been keeping up with family and stuff like that and, and, and keeping busy doing like podcasts and stuff? Because I know we had you on the Instagram live a few weeks ago. Yeah, I've been doing a lot, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, keeping up with the family and friends all over the world, uh, seeing how they're coping. I think everybody's in the same boat, really. You know, minds are different, aren't they? You know, some people uh, stress a little bit more than others and some people can just get on with it. It's just, it's just being mindful of what you really want. And I think it's a good time, like I said before, uh, re- bit of, uh, uh, reflecting on your life and reflecting with your families and spending more time with your, your families and watching them young children maybe growing up if you've got young children Yeah, well I, I have a little nephew and uh, I haven't got to really see him that much because he's normally here most days he gets minded here so uh, mm. kind of missing him obviously because he's only, a, he's only a little baby mm. and they grow so quick that you're kind of you're missing kind of memories at the same time you know Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you do uh, obviously all mine uh, are quite big and a lot older now, so they're coping quite well. Uh, but you know, I'm on my own over here, so it's uh, it can be kind of testing. But I think you just like I said before, you just got to keep your mind fresh. You know, it, it's time to do a little bit of cooking, a little bit of uh, the Indian uh, cuisine. You know, test yourself, take yourself out of that bubble. A lot of reading, uh, like I said, a lot of coach education with the coaches. We give them homework and assignments to do. So, you know, that that's, could be three or four hours. So that takes a lot of the time up. So it's, it's, like I said before, it's just one of those things and we have to get on, on with it. I'm sure we'll come out with it uh, a lot better. You know, we'll be a lot more uh, mindful of what we do and how we go about things. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, it's testing times. But I'm sure we'll get through. We've been there before and I'm sure the people of all over the world and all different countries will get through it. Yeah, but as as you said there, it's good to keep busy. It's good for the mind to keep busy as well, you know, reading and yeah. stuff like that as well. I'd, I'd very, I would very much encourage it. Yeah, I mean, whatever you've got hanging around, you know, uh, obviously the, the coaches, I've got a lot of coaching manuals, a lot of uh, uh, managers' uh, books, you know, the Alex Ferguson books, you know, a lot of football books, what I read and, you know, scan over. And then your you science fiction books. And then there's nothing wrong with dropping into Netflix and all. Later on in the night time, there's nothing wrong. That sitting down, you know, if you've, I can't get no popcorn. I'm sure you can get popcorn over there, <laughs> but I can't get it here anyway. I can get a little bit of chocolate. So it's little times like that where you can really, you know, as a family, you can, it's time to grow now as, as, a, as a family, especially if you've got them younger ones. 
you know, yeah, and, and be healthy. Sorry, yeah. And and obviously be healthy. Uh and and you know, just 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 be just be happy we're here. Just be happy once you get out of bed in the morning, you put your feet on the floor, you've got another day. because uh, we could be worse off really. Yeah, and you know, there's others more uh, misfortune out there without houses and mm. stuff like that. So be grateful for those type of things as well. I think you're dead right there. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know, I, there's a lot of people doing a lot of work. You know, you look at them, them people on on the the front line. The you know, the nurses, the doctors. You know, and of of we as a nation and people can help them by staying at home, only going out when we need to go out. You know, it helps them and all, and it, and it, and it's going to save lives at the end of the day, and that's what that's what it's all about. It's all about saving lives and looking after yourself. You know, so if you are un, under quarantine, stay under quarantine, drop out when you need to go out, and that's it, and just spend time at home. Wise words from a wise man. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I, now normally I wouldn't wear a cap when I'm doing an interview. It's just one of those times you know yourself with quarantine. And uh, yeah, the hair's not the hair's not having the best today, so I threw a hat on today. So I hope you don't mind. No, no, you can keep the hat on. I wouldn't want to see your hair anyway. Obviously, you see mine; it's it's thick at the sides, but less on top now. So <laughs> for me, it doesn't really bother. I'm trying to uh, grow a patchy beard. I think it is, but this will be this will be coming off soon. Don't worry about that. Yeah, well, you you still look like you did when you played, though. You still look you you haven't you've you have aged well. Well, thank you very much. You know, I'm only 25. I'm, 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 put, I'm coming back and put my boots on. <laughs> no, no. Well, listen, I try to look after myself as best I can. Uh, I'm, I'm same way. I, I look after myself. I do my running in the morning uh, for a good uh, half an hour of running round the round the apartment. I do my, uh, you know, my body circuits, my home circuits, like everybody else. Getting some fantastic ideas of a lot of people from all over the world. You know these sports scientists, these uh, strength and conditioners. I think it's fantastic. There's another part of learning. Learn about your own body and all. Yeah, well, are you, are you just researching these things, or just coming across them? Well, I think it's always good to research, isn't it? You know, and different forms, uh, different things. What you know, strength and conditioners are doing, and sports science are doing at different clubs. Uh, and, and things like that. So, for me, it's uh, obviously I'm the technical director for South United Football Club down in Bangalore. So, for me, researching and helping the coaches research, it's always a positive thing. And are you keeping in touch with the say the players and stuff by doing calls like this, or or is there no nothing well, really going do, on? What we do, we post uh, obviously little sessions uh, for the uh, for the, the children or the. The students, as I like to call them, uh, the coaches do that. We give them little assignments. The coaches do that. Uh, and obviously for the players, we try to do that, keep them active. You know, there's only so much they can do uh, at home. Some of them might not live in, you know, uh, the biggest of spaces. So I just say to them, look, if you've got a tennis ball, if you've got an old pair of socks, roll them up and uh, do a little bit of uh, knocking about with that. You know, you can use a pair of shoes. You can go in and out of jumpers, just like we did on the, on, on the streets of uh, Manchester and an island. You know, there's no different now. You know, you just got to open your mind and get out of that bubble. So we do try to get the coaches to do little uh, assignments for the uh, the students. Yes. Okay. Well, since we have you here um, and we're talking about football, we might as well get into your career and kind of how you you spoke mm. there about you know the, uh, the streets of Manchester playing football and stuff like that. So talk me through kind of your football journey and how you got. Firstly, where you got the the love for the game. Like, was it a 
particular well, moment or World Cup or club game or anything like that? Well, I, I do have a, I have a great moment and I was probably about uh, seven years of age. And obviously, because I was the smallest of the group, where do you think you get thrown? You get thrown into goals. I saw my brother said, look, get into the goals, Terry. You know, we need a goalkeeper. You can get in there. I didn't have a clue about goal. Seven years of age and you're playing with probably, you know, 12, 13-year-old boys, you know, and uh, getting the goals. You know, you've got a brick wall behind you with chalk uh, on the wall as, as the goals. You've got a curb in front of you and you've got a, a big old, uh, massive, rock-hard Casey ball being smashed against you. And if you don't try and die for it on the concrete, you're getting a land blasting, aren't you? So I think that was my first recollection of uh, of welcome to football kind of thing. And it, I think it just grew from there, really, you know, out on the streets. Uh, you know, that was that was the thing then. Get a football, have a knock about, 20 aside on the streets, on the cobblestones. You've got a, a curb to contend with. You've got cobblestones to contend with. And, you know, you look, you're looking at... Uh, Students now, boys and girls growing up, and you know, coaches are telling them to be on the half turn to receive a ball. Well, we did that when we was younger because if you didn't do that, one of the bigger boys was giving you a kick up the backside. So you, you, you had to learn quite quickly. So for me, that was my first taste of uh, obviously uh, being out in the streets and playing football with, with the lads and, and, and a lot of bigger boys and all. There was none of this age difference or size difference. If you was good enough, you got out there. So I think I grew from that and obviously watching it on the TV match of the day, uh, any European games, what was on, it was usually uh, the European Cup, uh, the UEFA Cup w- was on, trying to watch that uh, as much as I can and, and just growing it that way. And did you, when you, were, when you were coming through, when did you start actually playing for a football club, say your first club, say? Well, I think you start at your schools, don't you really? You, you, you know, you start at your primary school, start playing for a primary school uh, at, at the right age, you know. Uh, U8, U9s, U10s, all the way through there. And then I think, you know, you, you start gradually getting better. You know, no form of coaching, because no disrespect, it was the teachers doing it. So there was no form of coaching, not like there is today, uh, where, the, you know, the, the students are really getting told and the players are getting really told and shown what to do of these top-class coaches all around the world. There was, there was really none of that. You know, you had to go out there. If you was good enough, you played. If you wasn't, you didn't play. Uh, so it was basically playing for the, the school, St. Peter's and St. John's, uh, graduating through the, uh, the years there. And obviously, every now and again, we'd play probably two years up if you was good enough. So that was a great bonus. But I just, I, you know, for me, it was just about getting out there. You know, I love running. I love being fit. And it was, it was like feeling that air when you're running in the, in the wind, the, the rain, and just enjoying it. And, you know, just looking at it is like, I remember my first game was the, First World Cup was the 1978 World Cup. Uh, and I think that was in Argentina. Argentina, uh, they won it that year. And that's when our dealers and Vic, Ricky Velio come over to uh, Tottenham Rotspurs. So I remember that quite uh, clearly. And I remember the, the, the tournament quite clearly. And I thought to myself, well, listen, that's where I want to be. But it just doesn't happen. You have to work hard for it. And I, I worked hard for it at the younger ages. But what we did, we enjoyed ourselves. We was allowed to be free. We was allowed to just enjoy playing. There was no pressure. Uh, you know, there was no temptations. It was out there, play. Who's got the ball? Who's got the Casey ball? Who's bringing it out? Who's got the flyaway ball? Anything you could get, you would play with it. It was a tennis ball. You'd play with it. And, that, and, that's, and that's, how it, that's how it grew on me. And I just fell in love with it. Started watching it on TV. Any football was on TV. Uh, I watched it. So I do remember, ironically, 
the 78 uh, World Cup, watching that, and the 76 FA Cup final. I think that was uh, Southampton and Manchester United. So them, them, them two uh, games are ironic, and, and we'll talk about that later on. Why, why them two games was ironic in my career? Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, as you, you mentioned there, like obviously, you know, and I was the same growing up. Now I, I didn't go on to be a professional footballer, but I just mean where you're out on the road, you don't really see it as much. Like back here, I'm not sure what it's like in India, but you don't really see people out kicking the ball as much as obviously they used to. Where if you did have a football, you would find a rock, you'd find, as you say, a tennis ball or something. There was always mm. something there to kick, whereas you don't really, I don't think you see that as much now. But maybe during this this time now that you might see a return of that, maybe. I think it's great, uh, you know, you know, so, something's always, always uh, good comes out of something bad. And, uh, you know, you've seen a lot of uh, uh, players now in the back gardens doing keepy-ups and uh, wally challenges, which things what we did when I grew up, you know. Uh, yeah. Me, a wall and a ball. And that's how we grew up. Just a brick wall and just a curb. We played Kirby. We knocked the ball against the wall. We played Wally. You know, we played Wembley. We played World Cup. We played all these these kind of games back then. Whereas now you're looking at things on YouTube. You know, you're looking at all these tricks, what the uh, the younger players are doing, really young players. You're getting the professionals doing it and all. I think it's, in a way, it's really good because you are seeing it now, real going back to... Uh, grassroots in the back gardens and that now so it's, it's really fun to see that yeah and I think I think long may continue not the quarantine but playing in oh, the not back the quarantine, garden no, playing in, yeah I think <laughs> not the quarantine playing in I think it's great and I think we need to do more of that and you know and because uh, we can all learn off each other you know like I said before I'm learning an awful lot of the sports scientists out there who are posting and the different forms what uh, strength and conditioners are posting I think it's absolutely brilliant. So, you know, open your mind to these kind of things. Yeah, 100%. Well, look, on, on, on your career, um, mm. you've played for a whole load of clubs um, and really top clubs as well. I, I have to say, when you look at them, like, you know, they've all featured in the Premier League. Um, mm. But kind of getting to your first pro contract and then signing for Leeds, so how did that all come about in your own words? Well, listen, uh, it's a, this, is, this is a funny little funny story. Uh, I, I remember my mum saying to me, Terry, there's a lot of men knocking on the door. I said, well, you've got a lot of boyfriends then, mum, haven't you? <laughs> so, no. Uh, but it was, these was managers from all over, Everton. I was only 12 years of age. And I'm sure a lot of the other players have had the same thing. But uh, for me, it was something li a little different. You know, I, I never expected it. Uh, especially when you play for your school, like I said, and then you play for your local side, which was brought in juniors. And then you start playing for Salford boys a little bit. Uh, that's where the scouts started coming. So, you know, uh, teams like Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, Everton, obviously Leeds, uh, you know, Arsenal, uh, Celtic. Oh, 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 and I was only 12 years of age. I, I'd never seen so many flowers and boxes of chocolates. I thought I was in a theatre, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but, it, uh, you know, but it, it, it was great. And we didn't have the guidance, uh, obviously, the players at that age. I'd know it was just one of those things. Me, the a chief scout, uh, Ken Bates, uh, uh, was it Ken, Ken, Ken Bates? I think it was. It was that Manchester City, uh, chief, chief scout. He, he was there, and or oh, Ken Barnes, sorry, it was Ken Barnes, sorry, Ken Barnes. Uh, he came into the house and said, Listen, we want you to sign for Manchester City, uh, we'll give you a four year contract, uh, at, 
you know, 12 years of age. And obviously Leeds United come the next day. Uh, Alan Clark rolled up uh, the next day and said, look, we're Leeds United. Uh, you know, we're going to offer you a, a four-year contract, 12 years of age. It'll take you all the way right through. And, uh, you know, two years apprentice, two years pro. Uh, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I obviously didn't know what to do. My brother was there, my uncle was there, my mum was there. And uh, we just turned around and said, OK, then let's think about it. And obviously, uh, the chief scout from Leeds United was there. Obviously, the chief scout from uh, Manchester City was there. And I had to make a decision, plus a lot of other uh, clubs. I think my, my decision was based on the older the team and the older the players, you had a better chance of getting into it. Leeds United then was in the old second division. You know, you had people like in the team, Frank Gray, Eddie Gray. Peter Lorimer, Alex Abella, Alex Abella, who obviously uh, uh, played for Argentina uh, and captain, uh, captained Argentina and obviously was the manager of Argentina. You know, uh, Dave Harvey, Kenny Burns. You had all these wonderful uh, players in the team. And I thought to myself, look, they're getting a lot older. We've got a better chance going there. Plus, my best mate from Manchester, he was heading down there. And also, it was, it was great for me. And I ended up picking Leeds United. Surely based on I had a, probably a better chance of getting in the first team than I probably did at any of the other clubs. Not saying I wasn't probably good enough, but at 12 years of age, you've still got a long road. And, and I, may, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, I would have loved to have joined Manchester City then, but I think I made the right decision leaving home and, and going join a, joining a big, massive club like Leeds United. And what was it like then when you, when you started getting into the team? Um, I just... I, I don't know, maybe the build-up to your first game. What was that like? Your first well, like I, professional I, game? I think if, 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 we, if we just, if we just uh, backtrack a little bit, I remember my me, me first game on Ellen Road, I was uh, 12, 13 years of age and it was a trial match. You know, th this was the big one. And I remember it clearly, you know, the, 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 there's, oh, I don't know how many's in the crowd. There's probably three or 4,000 watching the trial matches. You know, uh, players from all over, all over England, players from Ireland, all over Scotland, Wales, all over the place. And I remember Eddie Gray coming up to me and saying, look, just go and play a normal game. So I went out there, you know, and he, obviously he, he, was a, he was a player then, it was Alan Clark, and he, he turned around and went, just play a normal game. And I remember scoring just, just inside or just over the halfway line. I just remember scoring over the halfway line and knocking one in the top corner with my left foot and I think that nailed nailed the spot then you know it really cemented that you know hey if I can play on a big field like this in front of three or four thousand you know uh, it's time to really you know start progressing and I think that was it from then really and I, I remember that very clearly uh, and to to really go on and achieve what I did at Leeds United was, was fantastic but I think working hard as an apprentice was one of the hardest things in the world you know, you, you're cleaning boots, you're cleaning toilets, you, you're doing all the, the, the stuff, the non-glamorous stuff, which I don't think the players do now, but it keeps you grounded. You know, it, it learns you a lot of uh, uh, social skills and life skills. And, uh, you know, you, ha you have to fit in. But the main thing was obviously the football, training hard, you know, and looking after yourself. So for me, getting into the youth team was a big plus. But then playing the reserve team, I think I was probably just touching 15, uh, when I broke into the reserve side, 14 and a half, 15, when I broke into the reserve side. So that was a big plus. So, like, you mentioned there, obviously, about, you know, um, 
clean, uh, clean and boots and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, as you said, you know, the newer players these days, they don't really appreciate it as much because obviously that's, you know, you're putting the graft in to get to where you need to be. I think some players these days get too much too soon. Well, I mean, it's the way football is now, isn't it? You can't blame the players. You know, it's just the way, you know, uh, times have changed, societies have changed. And that's, and that's the... Uh, owners forget, as well. it, yeah, and owners now, don't forget, we was on a, uh, a government training scheme then, you know, apprenticeships. Uh, so you had to do that. You had to do the boots. You had to do the kit. You had to clean the, the stands. You had to divot the field. You had to paint the ground. You had to paint railings. You had to do all that. And that, it put you in good stead, to tell you the truth. And, it, and it, it, it's all like give you honours, you know. Uh, I enjoyed it. I never moaned. I just got on with it. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you didn't do it, you wasn't going to go very far because obviously coaches was looking at that that temperament and that personality side of you and all. If you can do it, if you can do that, we can trust you to go on the field and do a job on the field and all. Because at the end of the day, it was a job on the field, you know. Yeah. Well, what what was the debut like for Leeds? Where the, the I, uh, full professional debut? Yeah, I remember it. I, I remember it quite clearly. You know, breaking into this lead side, you know, we had, we only had, we had, obviously, it was 11 v 11 and one sub, you know, so there was, there was uh, 12, 12 lads on the coach. You had your cook and your physio and that. And then they always had a 13th man. And the 13th man always travelled. And, you know, and you'd hear the older players going, oh, 13th man, I don't really want to travel. For me, it was absolutely brilliant. And it was, I, the, the, the week before my debut, I think I went down to uh, Brighton. Uh, and then uh, Fulham as 13th man. And I, I relished it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It's better than staying in the digs on a weekend, you know, and, and then you were staying in a hotel on a Friday night, you're with the players. Uh, and you really got looked after a bit. I remember going to Shrewsbury. Gary Hampson was injured. Frank Gray was injured. Uh, and I was, I, I was really the only left back there. But I used to play as a left winger when I was younger. Only I got converted as left back when I was probably 15 or 16 years of age. Uh, so we was playing Shrewsbury away uh, and it was only an hour before the game and Pete, a lot of them will come up to me and he says, uh, wee man, you know, I think you might get a little sniffer. I think you might be, I think you might be playing, get yourself ready. I'm saying, no, Pete, I'm not going to be playing in this game. There's no chance. So Gary Hampson, uh, he failed his uh, fitness test. Uh, Frank Gray was, wasn't there. He was uh, at home injured. And the gaffer come up to me, uh, Eddie Gray, and he says, listen, we man, it's your time now. You've done your apprenticeship. You want to be a man. Get out there and show what you can do. Uh, and I went out there and I remember playing against Shrewsbury. I think we won 3-1. And I remember Peter Lorimer coming up to me after the game and he says, we man, you've got a big bonus coming. So I could, I could afford to go out and buy myself a couple of suits and that. So I remember it quite well. And, you know, some of the players we played with, you know, John Sheridan, you know, John, obviously, uh, Dennis Irwin. You know, little Tommy Wright. It was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, to, to look back then as a, a raw 17 and a half, 18 year old, it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, that, that's, that sounds amazing. I can see by the smile on your face, like how much of a good memory that is for you. Oh, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. Just in the dress room and, you, you know, you're nervous as anything. But when you're, when you're a young boy, you know, you, the nerves just go away. Once you get on the field, you know, you're, you're running like a hare, you're tackling like a lion you know you're, you're jumping like a gazelle and you know and, and the game just goes so quickly and we ended up yeah like I said we ended up winning the game 3-1 I got a nice fat, fat little bonus uh, which was great and uh, yeah 
uh, the players around you was was the ones who really helped you. You know, uh, I remember John Sheridan just saying, "Terry, just enjoy yourself." You know, John. Obviously, you know John the, uh, playing with him at Ireland. He was a Manchester lad and all, so that helped me even more. Uh, you know, the same scout uh, scouted the pair of us, and that helped me even more settling at Leeds. And then I had Mark Russell, uh, who was another Manchester boy, a good friend of mine. The same, uh, the same scout got the three of us, and John's younger brother and all. So there was four of us there. So it was kind of easy, kind of easy to settle in at Leeds United because we had uh, four Manchester boys there and all. Yeah, well, talk me through the the, the season there then, because uh, you you stayed just the one year, uh, eighty five to eighty six. Yeah, uh, you know, breaking into the side, you know, obviously being there as a as a young boy and and thinking to yourself, you know, you, I would have loved to have stayed at Leeds all, all my life and just played a bit, you know, uh, obviously. <clears throat> The way it was back then, you know, uh, different managers come in. Billy Brennan come in. He wanted his own format. He wanted his own system. He wanted his own players. He liked to play big players at the back. Uh, I think uh, a player come in, Ronnie Robinson, I think he come in from Hartlepool or somewhere like that. And, he, he, you know, he wanted to play him at the back and just be a big, just be a big uh, left back, you know. Uh, and at the end of the year, I never got, obviously, I never got a contract. Uh Sorry, I went. I went back home. I never told my mum. Uh, I stayed at home. My mum said, what, what, "Why are you at home so long?" I says, "Oh yeah, we're, we're just on pre-season. I'll be going back soon. Don't worry about it." I never told her that. Uh, you know, I wasn't getting a new contracts because for me that was something where I probably failed. Uh, but it wasn't me what failed. It was somebody else failed me. But deep down, I felt uh, you know I failed somewhere along the lines. So uh, I remember getting a few calls from other clubs. And Terry Orff, ex-Leeds United, and Tommy Hutchison, ex-Manchester City. That's ironic. Manchester City, you could have went to. And uh, Terry Orff, who played for a great Leeds team and obviously the Tottenham team, they was at Swansea. And he says, listen, why don't you come down to Swansea? Get away from it. Come down. The weather's beautiful. The beaches are, are wonderful. You know, uh, the weather's great. The water's like the Mediterranean. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll have a little bit of this. So, uh, yeah. So I ended up going down to Swansea with the two uh, the two lads. And how was that there with uh, that season with with Swansea? Well, I think I played around about 40, 42 games. I think I missed one game through suspension. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I signed. Uh, I did sign. I think it was a one year contract, two year contract. Uh, really did well. Uh, we just missed out on promotion. Uh, really well. Really enjoyed my football. Settled in really well. And then obviously. End of the, the, the season come, we went away, come back. Uh, they slapped another two-year contract in front of me. I signed it straight away. There was no hesitation. Give me a little bit more money. Uh, and then three weeks later, they says, look, we're selling you. <laughs> I says, what? what? I've just signed a contract. You can't do that. I says, no, we're selling you. You're going up into the big league. So I said, what do you mean the big league? You're going to Wimbledon. I said, well, I'm not going playing tennis. I said, they play tennis there at Wimbledon, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so they went, no. There's a little club called uh, Wimbledon FC. Bobby Gould's the manager. Now, Bobby Gould was at Bristol Rovers and tried to sign me there. So, obviously, they just got uh, promoted to the uh, the old first division then. Crazy gang, as everybody knows it. And uh, uh, the next thing is, uh, is is history, isn't it? I ended up signing for the for the, uh, the crazy gang, Wimbledon. Uh, sat in the office for five hours. Nobody come out and uh, see me. I just sat there, didn't know where I was, didn't know what I was doing. And then Bobby Gould come out and says, oh, uh, you're Terry Phelan. 
I said, yeah, they said, well, we've just bought you for uh, £100,000. Welcome to Wimbledon. Sorry we kept you waiting. We was just testing you, see how you'd uh, fare. See if you get up and walk out. Bit of a test for you. Five hours I was sat there. That was and that was only the start of the tests. I'm sure that that that's mad when you think about it. <laughs> believe believe me, that was only the start of the test. So you know, yeah, I think the first six months was very hard at Wimbledon. You know, uh, you know, coming from uh, Leeds United and going to Swansea, the the, the style of football was uh, a little bit different. You know, uh, it was more of on the uh, on the uh, floor, playing out the back, getting it through the midfield and get it to the forward. You know, keeping possession a lot longer than it was at Wimbledon. But Wimbledon had its success the way it did it. You know, that was all about getting the ball out of your feet, playing on triggers, getting it into channels, hitting diagonal balls for runners, big men up front, getting the second balls, getting knockdowns. Took me a little bit of time to get used to it because I just wanted to play, you know, uh, especially watching, you know, teams like, you know, Liverpool and Real Madrid when Barcelona's of them days, back in the days, and Ajax. And, you know, I just wanted to play football. It was a little bit alien to me to tell you the truth but I soon settled in after six months I remember playing against Newcastle uh, I was having a bit of a torrid time for the six months to tell you the truth I didn't enjoy it I couldn't get my head around things I just wanted to go back to Swansea probably homesick and uh, I remember playing against uh, Newcastle and uh, things just clicked I said you know to hell with it I'm just going to do what I want to do I'm going to run with the ball I'm going to get up and down the field if they want me to hit long uh channel passes into the channel, I'll do it at the right time. And you know what? It just clicked that day and I remember the day I get goose pimples. I remember all the boys in the dressing room dancing around me, throwing me in the air and saying, welcome to the family. So it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And uh, I never looked back from that day. Well, you kind of you mentioned there, obviously, uh, you know, not enjoying the six months. And I think you told me on the Instagram live that they'd be cutting up your, your gear and stuff like that as well, wouldn't they, uh, in the dressing room? Well, to tell you the truth, yeah, they, they, they never really cut mine up because obviously being at Leeds United was a big, massive club and some of them had been at big clubs and played in, in, in big clubs in the first team. Some of the lads, you know, little Dennis Wise was at Southampton. I think he, 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 he got let go of Eddie. He didn't break into the first team. John Fashion, you, uh, I played against John when he was at Millwall, so he'd had a taste of it, Laurie Sanchez and that. But, you know... Uh, for me, they recognised Leeds United as a big, massive club. So they knew I had something. So they kind of, I was quite kind of quiet and they kind of le left me alone, uh, to tell you the truth. You know, and I, I didn't wear the best gear anyway, so it wasn't worth cutting up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the old uh, shell suit, I'd probably wear a shell suit, so, you know, it probably wouldn't get cut up, you know, tracksuits. It's if you wore something smart and nostalgic and, you know, beautiful, it'd get cut up, you know. Uh, they'd think you was a Sloan boy or a Sloan uh, girl and they'd cut, you, they'd cut your gear up. But some fantastic times, mine. Some eye-opening times. Uh, but, you know, your soap bag, you never know what was in your soap bag. Your shoes would be nailed to the, uh, to the bench. Your clothes would be ripped up. They'd be burnt outside. You know, your car would go missing. If you had a car, your car would go missing. You know, there was some, you know, you'd find in the hotels if you left your key on the top. Your key would be gone and you'd think, oh, no, this is it. Your bed would be in the lift. That'd be delivered down to the uh, reception. Your, your room would be a mess. <laughs> your clothes would be all over. So, you know, you always had to be on your guard. But you know what? It was a family. And it was probably the best thing what happened to me was going to uh, Wimbledon with the crazy gang, your Vinnie Joneses, your John Fast News, your Dennis Wise, Alan Cox, Laurie Sanchez, David Besson. 
uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic five years. Well, you, you, you mentioned those players there and um, there's obviously that, that cup final as well that you're famous for. But, mm. you know, the players that you mentioned, especially there, you know, they all went on to be really well recognised in, in English yeah. football. Yeah, you know, I just, uh, to tell you the truth, talking about the cup final, I, I watched it the other day. I watched the full oh, 90 yeah. minutes and I watched the build-up, watched the full 90 minutes in the build-up. It's the first time I've done that, to tell you the truth. Uh, I was a bit bored so far. I'll, I'll flick it on and just watch myself. Shorts was horrendous. Hair was horrendous. Uh, you know, but what a fantastic, what a fantastic day. And I remember the night before, Bobby Gould says, listen, go out, relax. Get yourselves a couple of uh, Guinnesses. Just chill out. Make sure you're in for 12 o'clock. Now, we're playing at Wembley the next day, mind you. Just chill out and, and enjoy yourself. And I remember him in the dressing room, him and Donal, uh, David Kemp, just saying, listen, lads, just go out. Enjoy yourself. Feel free. Uh, because it might be the last time you, you, you're at Wembley. And, uh, yeah, like I did, I watched that the other day. Wasn't the greatest of games, but we, we, we did our job, what we needed to do. At the end of the day, it wasn't about playing attractive football. It was about winning the football game and winning a match against the, probably the best team in Europe at that, that, that time. Uh, obviously, we, 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 we couldn't play in Europe because of uh, things that went on in the football world. But uh, it, it was fantastic. And to go on and win it 1-0 and Dave Besson saving the, the, the penalty... Uh, was a dream come true. Like I said, my first cup final watching it was uh, 1976, Southampton versus Manchester United, going on the street, kicking a ball about and uh, being one of the boys. So, you know, to go on and win it at the Old Wembley, which was a fantastic stadium against a team like Liverpool, and obviously played against uh, Ray Out and played in that side, John Aldridge played in that side, ex-Island teammates, was a dream come true for tw a 21-year-old boy who was fresh out of his nappies uh, in the old first division. And, you know, you know, you mentioned those lads there. Did they ever bring that up in, in, in Ireland camps in the future then after? Oh, they didn't need to. Aldo just used to go missing every time <laughs> he used to bring it up anyway. So, you know, I think he's still got his, uh, his, his head in his hands, hasn't he? But uh, I know he went on and won it the year, uh, the, the year after. But, uh, you know, you know what? You don't really. You just have a slide dig, but you don't really. You don't. You don't really. It's gone, isn't it? You don't really have a uh, a, a big chinwag about it because you know when they turn around and say, "We'll throw your medals on the table." I've only got one. They've got probably twenty-one. Then I, I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's your way of getting them back, I suppose. Yeah, that's my way of getting them back. You know, and uh, but you know, you you say to Aldo, Aldo, uh, what happened with that penalty? You know, you had a little stutter there. You know. Uh, what happened was, you, was 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 the nappy filling up, or could you not handle the pressure? He was only in he was only in front of the uh, uh, Wimbledon fans anyway. So I don't, you know, but it was a great save from Dave uh, Bess. We and I know Bess. We did do penalties and we did the little stutter anyway. So we knew he would stutter, and uh, Dave didn't move. It was his second. It was his second run up to the ball. Then Dave moved, obviously. And if you see how far Dave was off his line, he was about. Uh, 10 foot off his line. Now he'd be sent back on his line. But, you know, six foot five, six foot six, six foot seven frame, basketball player. Yeah. Well, um, kind of off the bat, you, you know, you had a hugely successful time, obviously, at Wimbledon. And as I mentioned, all mm. those players went on to have, as you said yourself, 
a family type of club. But he's all kind of went mm. on to have a good good careers. Um, I'll say, go on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Dennis Wise went to uh, Chelsea uh, for one point. I think it was one point five million. I think Vinnie Jones ended up going to Leeds for one point five million. Dave. Dave Besson, I think he went to Newcastle with Andy Farn for for around the same figure. John Fashnew later on ended up going to Aston Villa. Keith Curl, Man City, two and a half million. Terry Phelan, Man City, two and a half million. John Scales ended up leaving and going to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Alan Cork ended up getting a big transfer fee. I think he ended up going to Sheffield United. So, you know, when when you look at that, you know, obviously managers said we couldn't play. But don't forget, I started off at Leeds United, you know, probably one of the biggest clubs around. Uh, back in its day, I started off there. And all the other lads started, you started somewhere. So we did have something in us. But we played a type of football which we was winners games. And that's the way the, uh, the, the philosophy was at uh, uh, Wimbledon. You play our way. We're strong. We're resilient. We're tough. When you play our way, we don't want to play another way. And you've got to fit into that. And that's what won his trophy. That's what has got us our big money moves. So, you know, for me, getting a getting going and getting a big money move to Manchester City at that time was fantastic. Maybe I stayed too long at Wimbledon. Uh, maybe I stayed maybe two or three years too long. At the end of the day, maybe I should have went around about uh, 1990, uh, 91, 1990. Maybe I should have left. Well. Since you did move, obviously you got your you got your move to City, and then you know that's coming into '92, and that's when mm. you start making uh, headlines with, with Ireland and uh, getting called mm. up. So, what was it like getting the first call up? Well, I, I mean, I was always on. I was always on. Uh, I was always what would, what would I say? You know, I was in the twenty ones in the B team. I come up the way through the youth ranks for Ireland. Through, through the ranks, think, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think a lot of people uh, know that, that I did come up through the ranks. And, you know, I was being monitored. And it probably was only a, a matter of time. Uh, I think, again, there was a couple of injuries. And, you know, uh, I, I got a couple of phone calls. And I put the phone down twice. The third time I got the phone call, he said, listen, it's Morris Setters here. Teddy, next time you put the phone down, I'm not phoning you back. Obviously, I thought it was uh, the Wimbledon uh, lads having a, a, obviously messing about. You know, because that's what they used to do. They phone you up, put a different voice on, maybe a reporter. You tell all the story, and they go, "Ah, it's Dennis Wise or Vinnie Jones." So, you know, you look a real bit of a fool. So to tell you the truth, I says, "Well, no, it's not Morris." So I put the phone down. It says, "Right, I'll phone you back in ten minutes. If you put the phone down again, you're not playing for Ireland. Do you want to play for Ireland? We're playing at Hungary. Make sure you're on the plane in Dublin in the morning." I says, is, "Are you sure this is Morris?" Says, he says, "Yes, this is Morris." Says, it's not Dennis Wise or Vinnie Jones or. John Fashion, you having a, a mess about? He said, no. Fourth time, if you put it down, you won't play for Ireland. So uh, I never put the phone down. I listened to him. Ticket was there. I was on the plane the next day and I was, I was going to Hungary and uh, playing my first international match in 1992. And I'm looking around the dressing room. Roy Keane was there. Big Mick McCarthy put me under his, took me under his wing. And Paul McGrath was there. Kevin Moran was there. Packy Bonner was there. John Aldridge was there. Right, and I'm, I'm sat around and I'm going, I've already played against these lads, but I'm thinking, is this surreal? Am I really here? Am I really going to be playing in this team? And, you know, Big Jack come up to me and says, we man, go out there and show us what you can do. And, that, and that's, that's what I did. I just went out and worked hard. And was that on the, spe- like, 
like the flip of a day. You got a call next day. You're there. Got a call next day. I was there. Next day we was flying out. Simple That's as that. Crazy. That that was it. That was it. And it was a matter of you know from England to Ireland. It's forty five minutes on a plane. Get there in the morning. Uh, yeah, it was because we played on a Wednesday. It was a Monday. Get there. Uh, Monday, Monday morning, I got a call on the Sunday, Monday morning there, I had one training session, flew out, played the game and, and that was it. And I think that was the best, the, the best thing to do. I didn't have to dwell on anything. I wasn't nervous, just got out there, pulled my gear on and, and got out there and played. And probably the proudest moment uh, I had pulling that first team green jersey on, to tell you the truth. Every single player that I've had on since this uh, quarantine say, uh and I've asked them what's that kind of proudest moment. They all say making that Ireland debut. Well, it is, isn't it? And like I said, when you when you watch you, uh, you know international football when you're younger, you know I, I remember saying to my mother, she said, "Son, who who which country are you going to play for?" I said, "Well, there's only one country, uh, mother, I'm going to play for, and that was uh, I'm going to put the green shirt of Ireland on." And that was when I was probably twelve, thirteen years of age. Uh, I already knew then where I was. going going, what I was doing, who I was going to be playing for and I just focused on that so probably the proudest moment yeah, of uh, uh, playing for Ireland and putting that Irish jersey on and that's not just the old, same old cliche you know, it, it's really it's really true and that's, it was a very, very proud moment playing for your country any footballer will tell you that Yeah, that, it just sounds so so brilliant, I'm sure every fan who, who's ever wanted to wear it, when they hear you talking in such um with such pride about it, it, it it's really heart well, uh, heartwarming. Sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's you know, uh, don't forget when we was younger, we was back and forth. Uh, don't forget when we was younger, we was back and forth uh, to Ireland anyway. So it was great. And your roots come from Sligo, isn't it? Yeah, Sligo, a little place called Tubbercurry uh, on the west coast of Ireland. Uh, cold place. Fantastic place, though, when you're younger, you're out there, you're digging the bog, you're running around in your wellies, you know, uh, when we was younger and you're kicking a ball about. So, yeah, so it, it was great. I've got a lot of family over there. Uh, still keep in touch with all my family over there and all. Uh, obviously, getting over in the early days when I was playing football was a, a little bit difficult. But uh, now, hopefully, I get a bit more time. I'll spend a little bit more time back over in Ireland. Yeah, well, but if you do come back over to Ireland, make sure you come come and meet us. We'd love to have you in studio and meet you properly. Oh yeah, no problem at all. That'd be be grand. Yeah, well, kind of. You at that time, you're you're playing for Man City. You're breaking through at Ireland. So talk me through kind of that period leading up then to the '94 World Cup uh, from club well, and country. Your your perspective. Well, obviously, uh, going going to Manchester City for that type of money, I could have went to Barcelona. Uh, Manchester United, there was a few other clubs, Ajax, uh, Celtic, I think Liam Brady was up there at that time. I ended up going to Manchester City because they were the only ones who was going to pay two and a half million pounds. The rest of them only wanted to pay uh, one and a half million. I begged to go to uh, Barcelona, uh, but uh, obviously Sam Haman, the, the owner, says, look, we want two and a half million. That's, that's the price. Dearest fullback in the world at that time. Uh, went to Manchester City, big price tag. And all I did, I said to myself, listen, just work hard, put your head down, graph, work hard like I did at Wimbledon for five years, Swansea and Leeds. And that's what I did. And obviously, uh, you know, I think to myself, could I have broken to the Ireland team a little bit earlier? But don't forget, you, had, you know, you had uh, Jim Beglin was playing there. 
Steve Staunton was there then and Chrissy Uton was there and all. So it was very difficult to break in then. But uh, no, I think going to uh, Manchester City really opened the doors a, a, a little bit more for me, you know, and playing at Manchester City was great under Peter Reid. We had some fantastic plans. Obviously, they didn't materialise back then. We was building a team. Uh, we didn't do too badly in that, my first year there. And obviously, the, the chairman, Peter Swells, was uh, always under pressure. Uh, but, you know, focusing on the island was absolutely fantastic. Obviously, now Quinn was there, Keith Curl was there, Tony Colton, uh, Steve McMahon, some, some fantastic players in their own, in their own right was at uh, Manchester City. And, and, and Peter Reid was only wanting to grow, grow it. No, I think he was looking at bringing Matt Letizia in and, and trying to get Ian Wright to come and all, if you can believe it. So that was, that was what sold at me, you know, trying to build a club. Uh, obviously, being a Manchester City fan and all, when I was younger, my first shirt was a, a Manchester, a blue and white one, a Manchester City one. That's probably why I'm quick because I used to be always getting uh, chased around the streets of uh, Salford, but after Manchester United fans. So uh, <laughs> uh, that's probably I was always quick. But no, it was great to go to Manchester City after turning them down when I was 12 years of age. I wouldn't say I turned them down. It was just a better opportunity to play in a first team when I went to Leeds. So... Uh, uh, I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. The fans was fantastic. You look at the club now to back then. Uh, Peter Swells spent money. You know, uh, I think he spent a million on Steve Daly back in the day. Trevor Francis was a million back in the day. So he did. He did spend money back then. Peter Swells. So, uh, but you know, you look at the injection of money what's been put there now, and yeah, it's about winning games and, and winning trophies. So. I enjoyed Manchester City. I really did enjoy it. And then obviously it helped me uh, in the national side and all, playing for a, a, a big prestige club like Manchester City, more noticeable, on telly a lot more. And obviously uh, it helped me a lot more in the Ireland team. So as that's kind of progressed and uh, talk me through kind of qualifying for the World Cup and then the tournament itself, the, the build-up and everything like that. Well, I, I, we we just missed out on the the Euros, didn't we? Ninety two, and that was that yeah. was that was a big that was a big stinker to tell you the truth. And uh, you know, we we missed out on that. We just wasn't probably good enough at the end of the day. You know, too many draws, missed out on it. And then obviously the build up to the World Cup. Like I says, my first World Cup watching it was seventy eight World Cup, and I'm thinking, am I going to be part of this? And it was the only reason you're going to be part of it if you work hard, work hard at your club. And work hard when you get uh, when Jack pictured in the team, and even if in training, you know, I used to work hard, not mess about, get on with it. And you know, as as time went on, you know, you're winning games, uh, you know, you're doing well. The the Ireland used to stop for that Wednesday two o'clock kickoff, which was fantastic. Uh, and you know, there was a group of boys there that reminded me of Wimbledon, a group of boys, a family, everybody was together. You know, you had some players who was playing at top clubs in their own right, and you know, I was part of playing at Manchester City with uh, Niall Quinn. Grew up with Niall Quinn, uh, obviously. Grew up with Dennis Irwin at Leeds United. Grew up with Niall Quinn, obviously, uh, from the youth ranks. But playing for the first team and, and, and getting games all the time. And then, I think, getting really cemented in the side and really nailing that left-back spot down, that was my main aim and my main ambition. And if I could do that, then I've got a, I've got a long time in the, in, in the Ireland team. And I did wonderful traveling away, winning games, drawing games, losing games. I remember the Spain game we got beat at home. I think it was 3-1. It wasn't a great game. And it was on the rocks a little bit. 
And we're thinking, oh, no, not again, because of the 90, 92 Euros. Please, not again. And the, uh, we beat, I think we beat Northern Ireland at home. And then a couple of other games we drawn, we, we lost, like I said, Spain. And then we had, the, the last game was Northern Ireland game. Alan McLaughlin scored the goal. Uh, and, and we went through uh, to the World Cup on that, to tell you the truth. What was, and, uh, what was that playing... night like? What was that night like up there? Oh, well, you, when you see Kate Aidy there, uh, the the news reporter there, who always covered, uh, you know, uh, what, what, how would I, how would I put this? Would I, would I put it as war zones? Would I put it as uh, battles? How, how would how would we put that? But when she turns up, you know, uh, and she's got nothing to do with football, she's just turning up to report what's going to be going on. And to be fair. You know, we went out there. Yeah, it was it was hostile, like no other place. You know, uh, two neighbours, derbies playing against each other. But it was fun. It was enjoyable. And what a place to go to and end up going through to the uh, the World Cup finals. It was absolutely brilliant. And then again, an, an, another dream comes true. Uh, obviously, you have to play well to be going on that plane and get on that plane and get on the field. And that's what I surely did at my club. Uh, because... You know, I never took anything for granted because one minute you could be there, the next minute you could be gone. And Big Jack was like that. He he just wanted you to go there, do your job and uh, get on with it. That's why he was in there. Good players, he expected you to play well uh, week in and week out, especially at your club and especially when you got to the Ireland team. So that was a big bonus. That was, I would say, a dream come true uh, going to the, uh, the 94 World Cup in USA. Especially with Ireland. Yeah. yeah, I'd say the quack was brilliant as well, though, within that, that um, team. <laughs> I've, I've heard some stories coming out previously, but I'd say the quack was unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it, it, it was, wasn't it? We was just a group of boys. You know, obviously, the lads have gone to the 88 Euros. They've gone to the 1990 World Cup. They knew what it was all about. Ireland was a force in world football. Everybody knew about what they'd done in world football with Big Jack and, and Morris Setters. Uh, you know, the captains like... Uh, Mick McCarthy and Packy Bonner, the, the old rear gear there, and Kevin Moran and Paul McGrath, they, they knew what it was all about. And those younger boys coming in, they just nurtured us and said, look, this is how it is. We're all together. We're all a family. We'll, we'll go out together. We'll have a beer together. But when it's game time, we play hard together. And that's all they expected of you. Even if you was a young lad like myself, just go out there, play yourself, get on with it and work hard. And that, and that was it. And, after the game, we enjoyed ourselves. We went for a we went for a pint. Maybe Jack had put his hand in his pocket maybe one time. <laughs> well, um, just kind of talk me through the tournament in terms of the games and just the, you know, the, obviously the giant stadium, what a huge spectacle, and, and obviously the Italian game and all that type of stuff. But just talk me kind of through the games from your own point of view um, of that World Cup. Well, I mean, obviously. Uh... You know, getting there is exciting anyway, isn't it? You know, going to a World Cup is for anybody. It's uh, it's it's top of the tree. There's no there's no there's no bigger tournament in in, in world football. We all know that uh, to go with your country and you know, uh, <clears throat> dream come true. But I think I think the first game, obviously, we're playing the uh, the Italians. We're playing them just you know New Jersey, just the other side of uh, New York. You know, in a giant stadium, hundred thousand people there. You know. Whew. What 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 can you what can you say? The Irish and the Italians, a big force. 
in in New York anyway back in the day. Big force now on the on the field. We knew each other inside out, and it was we couldn't probably have picked an out the game to play to set us off. Was we nervous? No. Was we excited? Yes. Could we beat them? Yes. Did we have any doubts? No. Was we a good team? Yes. Did we have good players? Yes. And it was up to them to beat us. So, listen, we wasn't the, the, the most attractive team. But what we did, we had heart, guts, energy, focus, determination and desire. And everybody on that field and the subs and people in the stand was and, and the supporters, let's not get away from the supporters. The supporters won us that game. It wasn't the players, it was the supporters what won us that game because we was not going to lose that game uh, by any, any means whatsoever because of them supporters. We wasn't going to lose the game. And we said that in the dressing room. So we said, we cannot go out there and lose this game. We've got to go in there and win this game. And uh, obviously, when that goal goes in, you see the reaction. You see my reaction as well, renowned the reaction. It was like... It's a great picture. I, I tell you the truth, I get goose pimples now. I know we're talking here and I know people are going to be watching this. Uh, I, I, I have got the pictures in my phone and every now and again, I'd say to myself, what was I thinking? I should have been enjoying that moment. I was enjoying it. Like I said, the 78 World Cup was my first World Cup. And to, to see the first goal go in against the Italians, you know, it was just... I thought, I, you know what it was like? Is somebody going to pinch me and wake me up? I thought I was actually dreaming. And that's how I still feel to this day. And I've got three reels of it. When Ray rolls, he rolls and then he gets up. I've got three iconic pictures. Uh, so, fantastic moment, yeah. Fantastic moment in uh, Irish history, that game. And everybody knows about it. And it'll, it'll always be cemented in uh, uh, the history books. Yeah, and that's something nobody can ever take away from you as well. Obviously, those pictures, you know, they're everywhere. If you, if you Google Ray Hilton, goal versus Italy, the picture of you and him pop up every time. Well, you know what they say about fullbacks not getting forward in them days? Well, I think I was the nearest person to him. And it, I think it was just like, it was just one of those moments where, you know, he, he, he'd done his twirl. I don't think he knew what he was doing himself. He could have hurt himself, I don't know, to tell you the truth. Uh, but it was just the way, it was just sheer immense uh, sense of relief more than anything. And and I, I still can't believe I played in that game, to tell you the truth. I still look at the pictures and think, was I really there? I, I'm still going to be waking up. But it was it was fantastic. It was hard to, probably hard to uh, uh, really mention what was actually going on in my mind. Yeah, it probably felt surreal though as well. It's one of I think what people describe it as kind of like an outer body moment. Is that what you would call it? Well, out of body moment. I don't know if it's an out of uh, out of mind moment. Uh, you know, I could have I could have at least smiled and enjoyed myself. I think <laughs> it was just I think it was the adrenaline was going and you know the <clears throat> the adrenaline was going. It was just, you know what? It was more sheer shock than anything else. Sheer shock. Am I here or am I still asleep? Is somebody going to wake me up or they're not, not going to wake me up? And that was it. And that's what I say all the time. It was just sheer adrenaline and a shock that we've, I, hang on a minute, we've actually scored against one of the, the, the best team in the world who we went on to the, the final. You know, and let, yeah. me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. When we was going to that World Cup, we'd already beat Germany, we'd already beat Holland. Yeah, it was in friendlies, but it was against their, in their own backgrounds. And we said to ourselves, we've got a chance here. I remember Jack saying, in, in, in the, the, the build-up to the World Cup, 
Lads, don't peak too early. Save it for the World Cup. And did you feel as though, kind of from, from that game, I think you mentioned it before, that you maybe put a lot into that game that kind of affected you later on? I think all the lads put a lot into that game. You know, the, the, the humidity was immense up there. You know, I know it wasn't as hot as down as... Uh, but it took, we did, listen, we didn't have the sports science we had now. We didn't have, the, you know, all, all, all the, you know, heart rate monitors and, you know, the testing and that. We didn't have that. You know, we put everything into that game. It, it took a lot. I think it took a real lot out of the boys, you know. And then going into another hard game, obviously, was we, we, uh, playing the, the, the Mexican team was a very good team down in Orlando. I mean, that, that, the, the weather, it took everything out of us, you know. And then Norway game. And then obviously you, 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 we get through to the the round of sixteen. Then you, you you've got the uh, the might of uh, the Dutch. A couple of mistakes cost us the game. I don't think we played badly in the game. I thought we had the great chances, like we did in the Mexican game. Great chances uh, to go on, uh, but obviously a couple of mistakes. Uh, uh, header back pass header for myself to Phil Bab got inter- intercepted, and then Paki Bonners. But that's life. It happens. Yeah, well, the thing is, I think it, regardless of that, I think the fans, you know, the fact that we're doing so well at that time, you see the pictures and you see the, the like, RTE would always show films of you coming back on the plane and the reception that you've got. Like, the country would literally go, I, I say lockdown, but, like, it would go into, I was only four at that point, or three maybe. Um, mm. So I wouldn't have kind of known much about football back then, but, like, I look at, us now as a nation and we don't get nowhere near you know as much hope and belief as obviously you guys did like that team that you mentioned the players that were there were unbelievable yeah it was I mean what we tried to do is uh, you know one play for the shirt uh, two play for the fans because it was the fans who used to come out it's the fans who was there in the droves you know the place had shut down when we was at home everybody would go to the game uh, whether it was young old mum dad granddad grandma and and that was all about was all about you know going out there playing for the shirt playing for the fans that was it and I know people say well well that's what you're supposed to do but I think it was it was it was a bit more special uh, uh, in in Ireland because you know there wasn't a lot of set a lot of success beforehand you know but you know going to the 88 Euros that was fantastic the first big tournament then going to the 1990 that was another big and then going to the 94 we just like I said earlier we just missed out on the the 92 Euros and all by a whisker you know so when you look at it great times great times for Ireland we was building momentum we was sort of like integrating the younger players and all I think Jack took his time in doing that you know he liked to stay with the tried and tested Nothing wrong with that, but he was trying to bring in myself. Uh, uh, Phil Babb was coming in. Roy Keane was coming in back in '92. You know, Jason McAteer, uh, uh, the young uh, Kelly from Leeds, he was coming in. So, Gary. you know, you, you, you look Gary Kelly. Sorry, you know, you look at these players who was coming in, and Jack was trying to bring them in. Uh, but it was fantastic, and you know, I'll I'll always remember the, the World Cup. You know, uh, <clears throat> but you know, when you look deep down. We, we we was probably better than any team because it was there wasn't great teams there was there was not great teams I don't think the Brazilians was great we went on and won it obviously we beat the Italians the the Dutch wasn't fantastic for all the players they had you know we 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 probably had a a great chance at least getting maybe to the quarterfinal 
semi-finals. And people might think I'm a bit mad, but we had belief, and you've got to have belief when you're a, when you're a football player playing for your country. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and you know that's why I kind of find it. Well, I used to find it a bit sad when Martin O'Neill would kind of talk down the players a bit because you'd be coming from teams like yourselves who would believe in yourselves no matter what, like or whatever team you have out. The Irish players would more often than not give a performance, you know. Well, it was listen. You you had to perform. If you didn't perform, you wasn't playing for your country. And everybody wants to play for the country. I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, I didn't mind travelling away and going on a tours for a week and two weeks and ten days. I actually, I, I used to love doing it, you know. Because don't forget, at the end of the day, you're playing for your country, and that's what it's all about, you know. And there's there's a lot of lads out there who haven't played for the country who'd love to play in World Cups and and, and European Championships. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of those players to play in a World Cup, and I'll always cherish that for your country. Growing up through the youth ranks and playing for Ireland. And what was it like for yourself when you'd be coming over to Ireland? What were the, what were the fans like to you when they would say, see you out in the streets and stuff like that? Would they going up and grabbing you and hugging you and stuff? Uh, the fans, uh, listen, the fans was great. Uh, I, I, we had never had any problem with the fans. Do, you know, they're like your, your brothers and sisters, aren't they? At the end of the day, a lot of my family are in Ireland. You know, they're all over in Ireland in uh, Curry, Sligo, all over the place. So for me, it was... It was a joy to go over there and, and spend time with the, the fans and walk down the street and chat to the fans and sign an autograph. Nothing wrong because at the end of the day, they're the ones who make it special. They're the ones who are, you know, paying through uh, uh, the skin of the teeth to, to pay the last book or the, 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 the last bit of money to come and see a, an international game. You know, it could be the last penny and they're spending it to come and watch us. So... You know, it was nice. It was good to put good performances in. You know, all you know, we if we got beat, we got beat by a better side just on that day. It wasn't that we didn't put a, a bad performance in, but I think for me, uh, and I'm not just saying this, uh, it, it was great. Always great going over there. It was different from club football going over. Uh, and when you, you when you used to run out on, onto the pitch, obviously, and you you just see the fans, uh, green, white, and gold. Nah, you, what, what what can I say? It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, well, kind of off off the back of that, then you, you signed for for Chelsea. Mm. Um, so kind of talk me. So you kind of going you Chelsea, Everton, Crystal Palace, Fulham, and Sheffield United. So kind of talk me through through those um, teams and and those kind of years. Well, I mean, uh, going to obviously things was happening at Manchester City. Different managers coming in. The club was getting taken over. They wanted to get players off the wage bill, try and get some money in. Obviously, Peter Swells uh, would have left by then, and uh, you know, a new owner, a new owner coming, a new owner coming, uh, took in it, taking over, and it was like one of these. Really, we need to uh, look, uh, sort the the books out, you know, level the books out, try and get uh, players out, try and get a less lesser player in and lesser money, and you know, I was probably one of the first to go. Obviously, Chelsea was rebuilding with Glenn Oddle. I knew London. I had no hesitations in going down there. Uh, he told me what he was building. Uh, he was told me the players he was looking to b- bring in, which was fantastic. The players he was looking to bring in, and he had no hesitations going down there uh, to Chelsea. I went down there injured, if you believe it or not. I tore my hamstring at Manchester City, and I signed for Chelsea actually injured. And I said, "Look, I'll do my rehab at Manchester City, and then come down after." It says, "No, we sign. We get you down there. We do the rehab down there." Uh, 
And I don't think I played. I think I signed in the maybe September or October. I don't think I played till late November because uh, I did turn my hamstring. I think I made my debut against uh, Arsenal at Highbury, set the goal up and then come off at half-time because I, I re-injured it again. So some wonderful memories there. Obviously, players coming in, uh, you know, history tells you, Gianfranco Zola, Viali, uh, Rude Hullet, Mark Hughes, little Dennis Wise was there, Frank LaBeouf coming in, Dan Prochescu. We knew what we was building. Uh, Matthew Harding at the time, uh, God rest his soul, <clears throat> obviously he passed away in the, in the helicopter uh, crash. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, he was building something with Glenn. And, uh, but then at the end of the, the season, Glenn, you know, we get to the semi-finals of the FA Cup, get beat off Manchester United 2-1. Uh, and then Glenn decides to take the England job, which for me was a bit sad because we'd sat there and we'd said, look, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, it was really exciting. Then obviously England comes call, calling. You can't, you can't really turn that England job down. Uh, so obviously, uh, Glenn obviously went uh, and signed for England. So, and then Rude Hullet took over as manager. And what, what was the life out on the road? You'd, you'd have come up against him a few times, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, uh, not not many times. I mean, playing with him was great. I think when you when you become a manager, he, he uh, I think he adapted his ways a little bit. You know, he had to adapt his ways a little bit. Uh, as a player, he was fantastic. He was at the end of his career. You know, he had a lot of injuries himself. But he was he was a monster on the field. He, was, he had a great, uh, great character off the field. Uh, and you looked up to him, you know, what 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 he'd done in Italian football. Why could you not look up to him? And you learned a lot of him. Uh, but then when he was a manager, he had to change his philosophy a little bit in himself. You know, you're no longer a, a, a friend kind of thing. He had a duty to do. And <clears throat> obviously, Everton, Everton coming for me, I, you know, and I'm, I'm like, do I go back up north? Do I not go back up north? Do I stay down? And uh, Rude said, look, we're not selling you. We, we don't want you to go. It's up to you. So, you know, the call come in and really it was probably not what I should have done. I probably should have stayed at Chelsea, you know, at the end of the day. I remember Dennis Wise saying, look, stay down here, uh, tell you've been here for two years, stay down here, we're really building now uh, and, and take it from there. But, you know, Everton come calling, Andy Inchcliffe was injured and I think going to Everton, wow. Now, the fans up there are real hardcore fans, tight stadium. You have got... To to be a man when you go up there and play up there. You can't be a little boy. You've got to be a man. You've got to work hard. And I thought, you know, it's a challenge, another challenge. I got up there, it was a million quid. I went up there, uh, big Joe Royal was there. And he, he said, look, Andy Cliff's injured. He's going to be out long term. We want you to fill the gap. I said, yeah, no problem. Went in there and uh, worked my socks off. Got the fans on my side. Really enjoyed my football there. Uh, and, you know, Looking at Chelsea, I said to myself, well, that's gone now. I'm at Everton. I know he was in a bit of a relegation battle. But I said, look, it's a challenge. Let's, let's get on with it. And uh, there were some fantastic players there. Andy's Limpaz, Big Dave Watson, Gary Speed, you know, Nicky Barnby. You know, you look at the players they had. And I played with some fantastic players. Uh, and Dave don't. Unsworth. And you think... Big Dunk, yeah, Big Dunk, you know, let's not forget Big Dunk there. Neville Southall, let's not forget him. John Edbrill, you know, some fantastic some fantastic. Did you play with Kevin there. Campbell? Uh, no, 
did I play with Kev? Uh, I'm, I think I did. I think I did at the end of, long it. Yeah, spell, at the end maybe. of it. Yeah, I, I think I did. But uh, anyway, I, and then round about Christmas time, I get a cartilage injury. And I'm thinking it'll only be, a, you know, two or three weeks. And uh, it, it didn't. It progressed on and I was getting other injuries. And I was out injured for 18 months, believe it or not. Uh, and I remember that was that was a real downtime. That was a, that 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 was you know we talk about being indoors now, but being in the gym for eighteen months, you know, and, and we're relishing wanting to be in the gym now because we're all at home doing our gym work. But when you're in the gym on your own, you know, three times a day, morning, afternoon, and night, you know, it does pay its toll. But at the end of the day, you're there to get fit, and. You are. You, you seem not part of the, the the setup. You know, you're in there. You're plodding away. You're getting on with it. You're having setback after setback. Eighteen months, and I remember going to a surgeon. He said, "Listen, son, I think you know, take your injury money and uh, forget playing football. Go and go and sit on a beach." But, but that wasn't Terry feeling to do that. That was never going to be my. That was never in my mind. I battled through it. And I got myself back fit. I went down to Crystal Palace on loan, played some fantastic football at Palace. It was great. The lads was great. Stevie Copper was fantastic. You know, really helped him out. Uh, I was there for, uh, I think, two or three months. And I thought to myself, got myself fit. Here we go. Go back to Everton. And obviously, the manager didn't fancy me. Uh, Walter Smith didn't fancy me. I had young Michael Ball coming through. He was a fantastic young player. And I said to myself, listen, I'm not going to stop a young player coming through. You know, I'm getting older. I've had my injury problems. Uh, you know, uh, I couldn't go to Crystal Palace because they was in financial uh, worries. Uh, they couldn't really afford it. Uh, Fulham come calling. I ended up signing, signing for Fulham. Uh, but on the back of that, I ended up getting back in the Ireland team. I went on tour with Ireland and ended up playing over three or four games. So it just tells you if you work hard and you, and you keep positive... You can do anything you want. Uh, after 18 months, getting back and Mick called me back and he says, I didn't even know you was playing anymore. I said, well, Mick, I've just been going under the radar, just do, been doing my stuff, uh, playing football for Crystal Palace, playing well. And uh, Fulham come in, he goes to a game, he sees me at Fulham and he pulls me, he says, we man, he says, where have you been? I says, well, injuries, out, injured, but I've come back, he says, I'm going to keep an eye on you. And to be fair to me, he did keep an eye on me and I got back in the Ireland squad. I went, I went on tour, I think it was 2000, I think it was the year 2000, I went over to Ireland, uh, then on to the United States uh, with the Irish team. So oh. I think really, that really did give me that, uh, that push uh, and that, that love, care and attention that somebody's out there watching you and, and you know, you get back in the Island team, you're back playing for your country. Everything's looking good after being out injured for 18 months. So it's you know, it's if you keep positive and you work hard, you've got a good chance. And you were playing with a good Fulham team at the time as well, weren't you? Sorry, you were playing with a, a really good Fulham team at the time. Yeah, uh, I mean, listen, you, you know, after after uh. Fulham, we were doing well at Fulham. We won the league there. You know, some great players again. Louis Sahar, Lee Clark, uh, Kit Simons was there. Uh, Chris Coleman was there. Uh, so, you know, they had a, a great unit. Uh, Tagana come in. He got us fit. And he says, listen, we want to be out of this league in a, in a year. Uh, 
Uh, we did well. We got out of the league. Uh, Lusa Ha was absolutely fantastic that year. I remember it. And we won the league comfortably. We won the uh, uh, <clears throat> the championship to go into the, to the premiership. Uh, obviously, I was in the plans then, which was okay. And uh, I decided, like, let me wind it down a little bit. I was already looking at going over to playing in America, United States of America. Uh, and Sheffield, I had a couple of months off. Sheffield United come in for me and they said, look, Terry, Neil Warnock, can you come and help us for two or three months, keep yourself fit? I said, yeah, no problem. Another challenge. I think all the clubs I went to, it was always a challenge. I always liked challenging myself, meeting new people, challenging myself, even with the supporters. But number one, working hard. Uh, I went up there, lovely club. Fans are fantastic up there. The Sheffield United fans, fantastic fans. Uh, went up there for three months. Keith Curl was there and all, so it made it a little bit easier. Lovely little team. And, uh, you know, I said to uh, Neil, look, what do you want to do? Do you want to make it uh, permanent? He says, no, not really. We're signing on another three months. And I said, well, really, I'm looking to go over to uh, the United States of America and play over there. And then uh, Dave Bassett at Leicester, he came in and said, look, I'll give you six months playing back in the Premiership. Uh, we've got Manchester United at the weekend. I said, look, Dave, I think I've done my bit now. Uh give it to the young boys. I'm going to uh, head over to the United States of America and start my career over there. Started playing for the Charleston Battery. Uh, won a couple of titles there at Charleston Battery under Chris Ramsey. And then started me coaching. Loved travelling. Started me coaching really over in, in, uh, the, in the United States. Uh, run a company with my business partner, Todd Offord, one-on-one soccer. That really got me involved in the, in the coaching side of it. And then just said, look, you know, the world's your oyster. Go and travel, go and coach, see what it's like, test yourself. And that's what I did from the United States of America to Charleston Battery. was there a couple of seasons. Uh, I went down to New Zealand and, you know, New Zealand there for six years, you know, just coaching. I was down there as Tiger United as a manager, player manager. I think I was 40-odd years of age, player manager, still running around like a, a, a you know, 25-year-old, love, love, just, just, just like anybody says, play as long as you can. You know, you look at gigs he played till he was 40, Van der Sar played till he was 40, you know, Buffon's now playing, I think he's 42. Play as long as you can, as long as you're fit and you're healthy. Uh, and that's what I did down there. Enjoyed it. It was hard work, but I enjoyed it. And then uh, six good years down there, football development manager, obviously a player coach, head coach, uh, uh, youth development manager. So I, I really enjoy I really enjoyed myself coaching and just, just giving back to the to the youth for the day and to the students what I'd learned and what I'd learned off other managers. And, uh, and it could have just been a, the smallest thing, but just, just learning off them and, and letting them be free thinking like I was out in the streets, really. You know, give them a ball, let's see what you can do with it and adding a little bit of structure to it. Enjoy the travelling. And then I get a call... Oof, I think it was about 2009, 2010. Would you like to come to India? Or India? They went, yeah, would you like to come to India? And I thought, well, yes, why not? Why not? And I ended up going to go as a chief mentor for Safe Football Academy. I had two great years there. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really learned a lot about the culture, the people. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, spent two years uh, in Goa. You know, learning my trade again, learning about different cultures, different systems, different playing styles, 
Uh, and I ended up coming back to England again. I, I think I come back for more education. Uh, a couple of years I spent. Uh, come back, I think about 2012, 2013. Spent a couple of years in England, uh, down at a couple of academies there, uh, learning my trade again, getting more uh, education, more knowledge, uh, which is very important. You know, to tell you the truth, very important uh, to be in the game. So for me. <clears throat> going into one or two academies, see how uh, academies are growing, uh, especially the players and the, and the youth for today is growing within the academies. What education you can get uh, from the associations is a big plus. And then in <clears throat> 2014, really getting the call uh, to come back over to India, which was, which was fantastic. Like I said, I knew the culture. I got the call of uh, Carola Blasters, uh, their owners and CEO says, look, Terry, would you like to come over and, you know, help out with the, the team, help out the grassroots, help out, you know, building something as a technical director? So I said, yeah, absolutely brilliant. It'd be fantastic to do that. Obviously, being in India uh, previously, I knew what it was all about. Uh, I knew the culture very well, right down to food. Uh, <clears throat> and I knew what life was like in India. You know, and absolutely, the culture is absolutely brilliant. If we, we know about the food, uh, <clears throat> and living in Kerala for four and a half years and all, if anybody knows Kerala, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful place. Very humid and hot. But uh, getting back to the the team, if we look at the the Kerala Blasters at that time. You know, when you when you're packing in sixty thousand fans uh, for a game, and you, you're up there with, you know. <clears throat> some of the best teams in the world on the fan base, you know, I think we was uh, in the top 10 for fan base alone, you know, you get 60,000 week in and week out at your games. It just tells you how the football in India was growing. And that's what appealed to me, you know. The coach education was getting better. Uh, <clears throat> the player education was getting better over there. Infrastructure was getting better. And I've seen it growing. So it was always a case of, yeah, come over, let's build something. Uh, and we did that four and a half years. I was in Kerala for it was absolutely fantastic as a technical director. Uh, and, you know, I got the call then. Peter Taylor was uh, obviously, David James was the manager before. And Peter Taylor, after David, David got to the, the final. We just lost out in the final. Uh, then Peter Taylor took over. And Peter didn't stay long, didn't stay too long. And, you know, he was looking for somebody to really take the reins. Uh, so, you know, obviously Trevor Morgan, Trevor Morgan was there and he says, look, Terry, would you come in and, and be the marquee manager? It was only for a month. I think it was six or seven games, which I fully enjoyed running out there and, 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 and sitting on the bench and being part of the, the first team and seeing the fans, uh, obviously, was, was, was a wonderful feeling. Uh, <clears throat> we didn't do particularly well that season, obviously. Uh, it was tough coming in for the for, for a month or so, but, you know, it was just energising the lads and, you know, getting that football feeling back into the lads and saying to the lads, listen, you've got 65,000, 65,000 65, fans out there. Let's put a show on for them and let's work hard. And to be fair, all the players did, you know, and like I said, we didn't have a great season, but I'll always hold it in my heart because them fans down there, we talk about fans and we, we've got to appreciate the fans and all. We really have to appreciate the fans out there. And I don't think we do. I don't think uh, a lot of us do. 
we've got to do it even more uh, because the ones they're the ones who come, they pay the money, and they expect uh, football to be played the way they want it to be played. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes, obviously, at the higher end, it's about winning games. And you know, there at Carola uh, Blasters was, you know, it was a wonderful time to see that they call it the Yellow Army. And if anybody ever goes down to Carola and uh, you actually go to a game. It's, it's a wonderful feel. I think there's only about 45,000 45, seated now. Then it was stands. Obviously, they had the U-17s World Cup there, so they had to change the uh, the stands. But fam- fantastic atmosphere. And the football in India is really growing now. Uh, like I said, I've been here now five years, five years in March. I was in Kerala for four and a half years. Uh, and then uh, I've moved up to Bangalore. Uh, I've been in Bangalore for the last... Uh, Nine or ten months with South United as their technical director. So I'm used to moving about. Uh, like I said, it was always a uh, a place in me, my heart, to go and, and, and test myself, uh, the bubble, uh, see what's out in the other parts of the world about culture. Uh, and, and it's been it's been absolutely brilliant. I've met some wonderful people down in India, some fantastic uh, families and friends, and you know the football is growing. You know, uh, we've, we've, we've got technical directors in now at the All Indian Football Federation, which are looking at uh, implementing their fees and ideas. We've got coach education going now, and uh, academies are getting better, infrastructure is getting better. You know, it will get there, take time, but it, it will get there. And I think the reason it will get there is. If the coaches really want to learn and want to really implement what they want on the the football field with their, their students, but looking at the students and let them be free thinking, let them challenge themselves. So I think that's what, what appealed to me coming to India was the culture. Places growing, uh, it's a big old massive uh, country. You know, uh, you know, a hundred, two hundred different languages, maybe more. Uh, and and they're doing things right in in the sports the, the sports way, you know. They bring foreigners in. We try and implement. We we, we try and mix uh, with the coaches. Give them we only give them ideas. It's up to the coaches then to, to implement that on the training field and in the games. You know, <clears throat> I like to give my coaches the ideas. I like them to uh, you know use their own ideas and all and 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 really look at the game in depth. I think this is a, a real from now. Uh, we are challenging them every day, uh, especially at South United, where I am challenging my coaches in a nice way, getting them free thinking. Uh, but like I said, the coach education now is getting better and better in, in India. And infrastructures are getting better. Still got a long way to go, and anybody will tell you. But uh, yeah, and, and looking at the playing side, there's some talented players in India. There's some real talented players in India. It's up to them players to really work as hard as they can. Uh, if they want to play in World Cups at the youth levels, which they've already done, not just the boys, the girls as well, because the, the, the girls' national team is a very good uh, good unit and they're only growing. So it is growing. Uh, that the, uh, the education for the coaches and the players is getting a lot better. Obviously, we've got the ISL over there. We've got the I-League over there, which are doing very well. Uh, we do have foreign players coming in. Uh, to the ISL, you know, we've had some uh, great coaches over there from all over the world uh, competing in the ISL, uh, from Manish, the English, 
uh, <clears throat> you know, so I think it's, you know, we've had Zico over there. He was, uh, he was, uh, he was coach of uh, Go. Don't forget, we've had David James over there. We've had Stevie Koppel over there. <clears throat> we've had Owen Coyle, uh, a good friend of mine over there, who I played in the Irish uh, uh, youth team with back in the day. Owen Coyle, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows Owen. He's, he's done well over there with Shenai. said David James has been over there. Peter Taylor come for a short while. Uh, John Gregory was over there and all. he done well with Shenai, won the league with them. Uh, Peter Reid and all, so it just shows you we've had a few coaches over there, uh, and it and it and it appeals to them. You know that the the, the ISL is getting longer now. Uh, it's going to be a longer duration. It was only a few months. It's getting longer. Like I've always says, you know, we do need more games over there. We do need more competitions, uh, especially for the younger boys and all. We have got uh, the youth leagues and all, uh, the I League, the All Indian. Football Federation I-League, youth leagues, they're going great guns. We've, we have baby leagues now starting up uh, for the younger ones. So football's really grasping here, you know, and it's the participation in it is really, really growing at the grassroots level. And that's down to the people at the All-Indian Football Federation and their hard work, what's going into it, you know. And people like us at uh, South United FC, we're building an infrastructure to help that, you know, to galvanise that and all like a lot of other clubs are. So if we can all keep on the right path, I'm sure we'll get there in the end. You know, yes, I played in the World Cup. A few other lads, David James has played in the World Cup, obviously. We want India to be in the World Cup. We want them to be competing. It may not be now, but hopefully in the near future, we, 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 can, we can see that happening. Uh, why not? You know, it's just all about the coaches, the players and the organisations uh, work, really working hard for the for a common goal. Yeah. Um, well, you're kind of you've you've gone into punditry now as well. How's that been been going for you? I can hear you perfectly now. Uh, by the way, so going well. Yeah, I've, I, I, that's been great. I mean, I've been doing that now for the past six years. Uh, to tell you the truth, uh, uh, so, Sony Sports. Uh, obviously, a friend of mine, Mark Seagraves, who used to play for Manchester City and uh, Liverpool, he, he's on it and all with me. We do have Ashley Westwood. He was at Manchester United, and uh, he was at Sheffield Wednesday and all. He was at he was coach of uh, <clears throat> uh, Bangalore Bangalore FC up here for a couple of years. Uh, David James is on there and all. Big David, big goalkeeper David, obviously ex everybody knows Big Dave, ex uh, Liverpool player. So yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. I really I really do enjoy it to tell you the truth. You know, I, I just try to be myself. You know, uh, get out there. Uh, tell it how it is. Really enjoy it. We have a laugh. Uh, we 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 enjoy the the coming together. It, we we treat it like a really. We treat it like a dressing room. I won't say we treat it like Wimbledon's dressing room where we're cutting each other's clothes up because I think that have been going a bit too far. But no, it, it's great, and I've been doing it a while now. I've done a a few World Cups, a couple of World Cups, uh, and like I said, uh, La Liga. We was doing uh, Serie A. We're doing. You know, we have our own show on a Monday. Uh, the kickoff show on a Monday. Uh, maybe some people would have uh, tuned into that uh, if they would have seen it uh, a couple of days ago. So yeah, I think it's it's, it's all going well at this present time. I'm not going to complain. I take each day as it comes, and I think it's just about getting up there, rolling your sleeves up there, and working hard. And that's something I've always tried to implement, and that's my values. But enjoying it and all along the way, and 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 there's nothing better than testing yourself. And meeting new people, and I think that's the, that's the uh, 
this, the biggest thing what's appealed to me, moving to all these countries, just different cultures, uh, different atmospheres, uh, different football philosophies, and, and it's appealed to me, yeah. So, punditry is going very well at this present time. Yeah, well, I noticed you like my Instagram post earlier where I was in uh, Australia back, it was eight years ago today, but I, I put up a post with a caption saying, you know, travel while you're young, it'll make or break you. Well, listen, listen. A lot of uh, a lot of people say to me, "How do you do it?" I said, "What do you mean? How do I do it? I just jump on a plane. If there's a job offer there, you know, I look at it. If it appeals to me, then then I go on. And, and and it's been great. It's not it's not about the money. It's just about the in, the enjoy the pure enjoyment I get out of it. You know, uh, and, and 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 putting something back into the game and all. I know it's not in my own country, but maybe one day I will be in Ireland. Who who's to say I'm not? Uh, you know, I'd love to go back to Ireland. You know, I'm not going to say I'm going to manage one of the big clubs over there or the national side. I'm, I'm happy coaching the younger generation. I'm happy coaching the younger generation and giving them something back because I think that's, I think that's where it's needed more than at the top. I think it's needed at the bottom. Uh, I think if there's better coach education at the bottom, uh, I think then players will adapt a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. And it's nice to see players like yourself who've played in World Cups and, and played in the Premier League giving back. But just kind of just lastly to finish off, um, I wanted to try and see if you could give me the best 11 uh, that you've played. You can include yourself in this team you, as if, like, it's pure fantasy. So, like, if you want to be on the pitch with oh. this team, that's totally fine. Or you could have someone in wow. your place at left back. Wow, wow. Well, I'm gonna go for. Oh, wow, you've got me there. I, I'm gonna. I'll start with my goalkeeper. Obviously, I'll start from back to front. Won't start from front to back. I'll go. I, I'll go with a, a young Shay Given. I'll go with a young okay. Shay Given in goal. Yeah, I'll go with young Shay. Uh, obviously, young. He was then breaking in. He's had a wonderful career. Uh, I'm not gonna pick myself. I'm gonna uh, players who play with. I'm gonna go phew, left back. Left back, I will go for no right back. I'll go for uh, Dennis Irwin. Right back, Dennis Irwin. Uh, centre back, he? I will go. Dennis Irwin was great, steady, steady Eddie Dennis. He could play left back or right back. I'm putting him at, I'm putting him at right back because he always used to take. He's always taking my place at left back, and he played majority his, his his years at left back for for Manchester United. But he was really a centre back, Dennis, when he was at Leeds. So, Dennis, uh, right back. I'm, I'm going to go for centre-backs. I'm going to go for Frank LaBeouf and Paul McGrath. Very good. Centre-backs. Uh, Left-back, wow. Left-back, that's, that, 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 no, that's an hard one. Uh, do I put myself in there or do I not put myself in there? So left back. Your team, I Terry. Will, you're the you're the gaffer here, so you can be I'm player the gaffer manager. Here, I'm the gaffer here. I'll 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 go. I, I, you know, I'm going to go for Chrissy Uton. I'm going to go for Chrissy Uton there as left back. You know, he did well at uh, Tottenham. A lot of players wouldn't know him, but I'll I'll I'll, I'll go for him there. Midfield. Well, your, your midfield. I've got to have Roy Keane there as older midfield player. Roy's going to go in there. I'm going to put Dennis Wise on the right. I'm going to put. Jan Franco's all just to the left of that midfield, nice. attacking. Uh, he'll attack. Uh, I'll play up, free up front. 
I put uh, who will I put there on the on the left hand side? Uh, let me think about that one. I think I put Mark Hughes as a, my centre forward. Sparky's my, my centre forward. Uh, big, strong, aggressive. Obviously, he's got little uh, Zola behind him. He's got Dennis Wise who can who can protect that uh, right hand side and all. And obviously, you've got Roy Keane who can protect all the back four with Paul McGrath in there. Can't you can't go wrong. Uh, and I think uh, we've got the the, the right hand side. I mean, in his day, he would have been brilliant, wouldn't he? Rude Hull, it would have been absolutely, uh, would absolutely been absolutely brilliant in his day. Uh, so, go on, I'll put Rude in there. I know he was getting a bit older. He still had the legs. I'll put Rude in there. Are you younger, Rude Hull, now? Lads? Yeah. Yes. Younger, Rude Hull. Uh, and then the left-hand side, left-hand side, oof, that's, a, that's an hard one for me, that. Left hand side. You know, on the left hand side, I'm going to put Gary Speed. Left hand side, of that, I'm going to put Gary Speed. Yeah, go, I think player. I put Gary Speed in there. Yeah, I think I put Gary Speed in there. That's not a bad little side, that, to tell you the truth. Uh, no, 4 3 3. Uh, 4 3 3. It's got to be 4 3 3 because I love attacking. I love attacking. Okay. But then I've got, Paul Mag- I've got Paul McGrath down the centre. I've got uh, Roy Keane protecting him. And I've got. Mark Hughes holding the ball up, who's a rock anyway, in 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 his day. Uh, <clears throat> so you know, I I would go. I I think I would go with that. That's a fairly impressive team. I'll actually do and open that, image. And, uh, listen, listen, you. and that's just that's just come off my head, by the way. So you've got me on the spot. Then let's be honest. And there's not many people who can just do that on the spot. Yeah, no, no, definitely, and that's why I appreciate you actually going through the players and and, and kind of casting your mind back because I'm sure obviously from when you signed from Leeds to when you fi- when you finished up playing uh, in New Zealand or actually you finished up in, in India sorry so yeah, throughout that time I, I'm sure you came across plenty of players I know I know I know there'd be some uh, lads over there oh, how come I never got in there but you know have, have a look at that it's, uh, you know Mark Hughes had done his bit then he? he was at Barcelona Manchester United uh, obviously Chelsea and then he's obviously went into management uh, Gary, the, the, the late Gary Speed was a wonderful player who I played with at uh, Everton, uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, and then you got Rude Hullet, big, strong, aggressive uh, out there. He could still do a job out there. Played with him at Chelsea. Uh, I've got to put uh, my midfield is strong there, obviously. It's about uh, balance, though, as well, right. in these teams. Yeah, you know? well, that is about balance. And, you know, I've got... Uh, the only thing is that in midfield I've got three right footers. I usually I usually like a left foot, but uh, Zola can use either foot. He could use either foot, so he was brilliant. I love him as me attacking midfield player. Uh, uh, little wise, he can hang around there doing his stuff. What he used to always do, just kick people and get on with it. Maybe allow Roy to go forward a little bit, and Dennis can drop in there. They can both do a dual role in there. Uh, and then at, at at the back, you've got Dennis, Mr. Steady Eddie on one side. I could have put Dan Petrescu in there, but I think Dennis, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, what Dennis has done in the game. Obviously, Paul, uh, Frank LaBeouf, and uh, uh, little Chrissy Uton there was a little little, little pocket rocket. I was thinking of uh, Steve Staunton, but I think uh, you know, Chrissy in there for me would have been a little pocket rocket. 
And then at the back uh, in the goal, uh, Shea. Shea really just come into his own, didn't it? Great career. I know uh, maybe Nev or Paki will be a little bit disappointed, but don't be disappointed. You'll be, in, you'll be on the bench. <laughs> well, Terry, uh, that's a, in my opinion, that's a fantastic team. And look, we've had you on here nearly two hours. I know we had a couple of difficulties with Wi-Fi, but listen, yeah, can't yeah. Uh, thank you enough for coming on. It's been absolutely thank fantastic. You. No problem at all. Thank you very much. Listen, folks, if you can, stay safe. Only go out if you need to go out. It's, it's for your livelihoods. It's for them frontline workers' livelihoods and all. Uh, please be careful. Be happy. Be joyful and be loving. Thank you very much. Well, cheers, Terry. I just wanted to say to people, uh, if they want to uh, make sure to give this video a like, and if they want to go follow you, they can follow you at TerryFeelingTree on Instagram. Uh, huge thanks again, Terry, and uh, we'll let you go. Thanks again. Top man. Take care. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye now. Bye.